This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. Good morning. It's wonderful to be here today. I'm really happy to see each of you here. We've got a study designed today, specifically... I want to speak to the men, and maybe you're here today, and you're not a man, and there'll be a time when I'll have some things to say to you, but specifically today, I want to talk to the men and about men. What do you think of when you hear the word men? Maybe more specifically, what do you think of when you hear about men in the news, or you hear headlines about men. What do you think of? Well, I'll show you a few things just lately. Uh, a term called toxic masculinity. And you hear that quite a bit actually nowadays. That men are toxic. And to be a man in the sense that maybe I grew up thinking, is just not good. A lot of news articles out there about men being oppressive, men being abusive. Uh, Clint, did you know the cowboy mentality can be something that we can blame for a lot of problems? And so there's a lot of negativism about men, and I'll tell you honestly, I believe there's a lot of people in the world today that want to redefine men, they want to change men from what they have been, especially what the Bible views a man to be, they want to change that to something radically different. Well, I want to go back and I want to go to the beginning and if you want to get your Bible out, I encourage you to turn to the book of Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to look at men today. We're going to study a little bit from the foundation. And I know the beginning was Genesis chapter 1. And I know you're familiar with Genesis chapter 1. At least I hope you are. We're going to go to chapter 2. And I want you to turn there. And I want you to dwell on these things with me for just a little while today. Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. He says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God had made the earth and the heavens. So I want to take particular note here. He says these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. So he gives a little bit of a history, you might say. God's going to give us a little review of what he has done thus far in Genesis chapter 1. He says, Every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God did not cause it to rain upon the earth, and there was not, notice very carefully, there was not a man to till the ground. He hadn't made it rain. Why? There wasn't a man. 
And I propose to you today the purpose of men is to work, to labor. I believe it's our nature. It is the nature of men to labor and work. And you notice the first mention here, there wasn't a man to till the ground. So God didn't let it rain. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. It's the nature of men to work. Now verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of his ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Who made man? God did. God gave him a nature as it God saw fit. He put in man's heart a drive and a will. And all those things come from God. We're going to talk about man and his nature a good little bit. Now I want to go to verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. He put him there. Why? There had to be a place for him. Man needs a place. And he prepares a garden. He prepares a place for this worker. And he puts the man there in that garden. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life, also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now you're used to these things because we read about these things, especially in chapter 3 at the fall of man. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden from thence. It was parted and became four heads. The name of the first is Pison. That is it which compasses the whole land of Havilah where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. There is bdellium and the onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Jehon. The same is it that compasses the whole land of Ethiopia. The name of the third river is Hittichel. That it is which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. And so he mentions these rivers that come out and part and water the land. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. God's taken this worker, this man in whose nature it is to work and labor. He's given him a place and he put him there. Work. Dress and keep the garden. It's your job. So he has a purpose. To work. To labor. As it were. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, there thou shalt surely die. He gives him a law. He has a nature. He has a purpose to work. And he has a law. There's right and there's wrong. And he's put man in this place, and he's placed man there. He's placed Adam there with purpose. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Did you know what? There's still no women. We read these things, and we tend to just think they're all in there together, and it all happened in just that way. But at this point, he's created man, he's built the garden. He's put him there. He's told him what to do. And he's given him a law. And there's not a woman around. And women don't even exist. 
They don't even exist. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help meet for him. God causes this parade of animals to come by. Adam and Adam's pretty intelligent. He begins to name them horse and cow and donkey and elephant and crocodile. And all these animals come right by Adam and he names every one. Every one. And evidently it was a review because there wasn't found a help, a suitable partner. There wasn't found the, what he needed. So I'm going to tell you something. He needed something. He's got a job. He's got a place to live. He's got duty to work. But there was something lacking and missing. And God looks at the man and he sees it's not good for him to be alone. So I want you to notice the next passage. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had made had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Now, this is a little different because Adam sat there and he's just watched all these animals come by. And then God goes down and go to sleep. Now, if you've ever gone to surgery, they're giving you these drugs and you're going, I'm going to go to sleep. And then you just wake up and you look around. You go, where am I at? What's going on? I woke up one time, couldn't see. I could hear, but I couldn't see. Here's Adam. He's waking up. He looks around. God brings this beautiful creature. God brings something he's never seen. This lovely woman. And he cast his eyes on her. And he says, this is now bone of my bones. And flesh of my flesh. What's he saying? She's mine. She's like me. She was made for me. And he says, she shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man. And the Bible goes on to say, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And so God has placed man where he belonged. He gave him a nature. He gave him a job to work and till the garden and plant the garden and dress the garden. He gave him right and wrong and now he's given him a partner and he's given him a mate. And I submit to you today that was everything he needed there. We'll ask you a question. Why not create the woman first? He could have easily done that. Well, he could have easily took... Uh, you know, a deer and said, I'm just going to make this your partner. 
He could have took a, a monkey or a gorilla. And I don't get to say, and Sean's comparing women to monkeys and gorillas. I'm not doing that. God could have took any one of those things and said, God, you know what God did? He did it right. He created man. And then he created woman, which is the ideal partner for man along the way. You know what? We commonly say, I've heard it said a lot in my life. We see a young fella and we go, you know what? He needs a woman. He needs a wife. And it's something about being a young man and not having a woman, a partner. We go, he's missing. He needs something. He's got no direction. He's got no purpose. He's just wandering around blowing money on toys and games and motorcycles. and It's just what men do, isn't it? I'll tell you, one day, little Miss Blondie comes along. And he looks different. He's walking different. He's acting different, isn't he? And the first thing you know, he spent money on ring. And he has a purpose, doesn't he? He has a direction. There's a void that's filled up. And the first thing you know, he says, I do. From now on, as long as I live, I'll be true to you. And then the first thing you know, here's Junior. Isn't it? And it's just life. And it just happens like that. And a perspective changes. A direction changes. And possibilities blossom. And there's a whole lot of other possibilities that just fade. Out of sight. Because it gives man a purpose. And. I want to just tell you. Bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh. Now. I believe. It's an important thing for us to think about because God has put in the hearts of men the pathway to fulfillment. The pathway to fulfillment. God has put that in every heart of every man and I want to tell you what that is. To work. We're put here to work. There's a purpose to build something. Not just for me. For my family, to build a home, to build security, to build a foundation where there can be love and joy. That pathway is a sense of duty to provide for his family. And I want to tell you what, men, we need that. We need that. Because a man without that sense of duty and a man without that pathway, he's just going to get into meanness. Or he's going to want to dominate and destroy or a whole lot of other things. Man without those things has no purpose. That pathway is to nurture, to protect, to grow, and to love his family. That is a pathway to fulfillment. <clears throat> a pathway to fulfillment. I'll ask you a question. You may think it's a little off subject, but I don't think it is. Do you like the world that we're living in? 
you think our society here is good and on the right path? When, when you see men walking around as women, as transgender, you like that? And, and men in competition in sports with women? I mean, it's just like our world's gone crazy. And not only that, the things that are out here in the world today is that men are bad. A man like Jace Henderson is bad. You see, a man like Max Shields is bad because he's married. Because he's dedicated to his wife and he loves his family. I want to tell you, this the world we live in is crazy. Now I want to get your attention here, but I think it's important to do that. Because if you don't like the world that we live in, you may say, well, I don't know what I can do about it. I want you to think about something. Men make the world work. You may not like the world, but men make it work. From sewers to high lines... And scuba divers welding in the bottom of the ocean. High-rise buildings growing wheat and raising beef and hogs. Butchering a chicken. Did you know men do it? Now, maybe you're kind of a feminist. That's fine with me. But I want to tell you something. If you like to eat a chicken nugget, you better think a man. Because men raise the chickens and they butcher the chickens. It's just a fact. You like to have electricity? Men provide it. You like to have a commode to go and sit on that's clean with clean running water? Those things have been provided by men. And it's just the truth. Men do the bank accounting and the investing, the record keeping. They build roads and tunnels and bridges. They mine the natural resources of this world. Men do it. And men have done it. I'm not saying there's not a lady miner out there. There probably is. But I want to tell you the vast majority are men. Men process timber. They build electricity generating dams. Young, tough men die every day to keep you free so that you can protest. So that you can do whatever you want to do. And this is a fact. When the next war comes, and it'll come, It won't be soccer moms in minivans saving the world and dying by the thousands. It will be men. Now you can like it or you can not. But most men are good. I believe that's true. Did you realize that 1% of men commit 63% of all violent crime in America? Most men are good. Most men work hard to have a family and raise a family. Men make the world work, and that's just a fact. Do men stumble and fail? Yes, we do. But the vast majority of men spend themselves in the worthy cause of civilization. And if you've got a really comfortable life, you can thank men because we make it possible. Now, you may not like the world that we live in. I don't like it. 
Well, I want to talk to you about some things that men have to do, must do. And if you want the world to be different, these things must be done. And it may not change the world, but these things must be done. <clears throat> In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, he says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, is worse than an infidel. The pathway to fulfillment is to provide for your family. Maybe you provide a really good living for your family. Maybe everybody's got a nice car and you've got a big, nice house. I'm going to just tell you today, I don't really think that's what he's describing specifically. Maybe it is financial. Maybe that's a part of it, certainly. But I want to tell you what I believe he's part, talking about. I believe God is describing a man being a leader and teaching his family Teaching his wife the word of God. Teaching his children the scriptures. I believe that's the meaning. Provide education for his own. Because if you don't teach them to love the Lord and serve the Lord, at some point they'll deny the faith. You know what this world needs today? Men to stand up and be spiritual. Be godly, to love the Lord and serve the Lord. That's what this world needs. That's what it needs. And we as men must embrace this. Every man here, it tugs at your heartstrings a little bit. It's your responsibility to provide for your family, to teach them, to nurture them. To help them to grow. To help them to learn. To help them to love the Lord. It's on you, men. It's your responsibility. <clears throat> Psalms 104 verse 21. I run into this verse and I think it's a wonderful passage of scripture. 104 21. The young lions roar after their prey. And seek their meat from God. The sun arises. They gather themselves together and lay them down in their dens. Now listen carefully. Man goeth forth unto his work and to his labor until the evening. Isn't that what we do? We get up in the morning and go work, don't we? Because we're workers. It's what we're supposed to do. We go work. We get up early and we work all day and we come home. And he describes this as the nature of man just like it's the nature of a lion to do a little roaring and then crawl into a den and go sleep. Now here's the point I want to make from this. You men, you need to listen. You're going to get up every morning and go to work, right? How long are you going to work? Eight or ten hours? Longer if needed? Now how much time does that leave in the day? Two or three hours? Maybe. Stay up real late, four or five. It's not much time. And we have a responsibility as men to nurture our children, to raise up a family. Notice James 3 verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. You want to know who's a smart man? A man who, when he gets home from work, is going to take and use that time, because it's just a little window of time, teach his family. 
Train his family. Dedicate his family to the Lord, to love the Lord, to show his family by good conduct. That's what the world needs. The world needs men that love the Lord, and when they come home, they shift to family. And they teach their family. They train their family. There's just a few hours. I'm going to just tell you the truth. Can I just tell you? Alexis ought to be Texie. And Alexis is 30. 30. And in my mind, it's going by like that. You men, take some wisdom from a fellow that's getting old. You got a little window, a little short time, very brief to train your family, to train your kids, to teach them. Because I'll tell you what, by 16 or 17, they're know-it-alls. They're smart alecks. They don't want to listen. And so you better take your time because you're going to go to work and spend a certain amount of every day working. And you're going to get home and have chores to do and bills to pay. And if you want to do some other things, I'm not saying that's wrong, but if you're not real careful, your life will pass you by. Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. You know what we need? Strong men. Men who are strong in the Lord. That's what we need. And in the power of his might. We need men who dedicate themselves to being strong, godly men. Who want to serve the Lord and follow the Lord. Now you may notice we're going to read from 10 to 18. This is just verse 10. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What are the wiles of the devil? Well, I'll tell you, the devil works really hard. He works every day, night and day. And he's crafty and he's clever and he wants to destroy you. Guess what the work of the devil is? The transgender movement. To redefine men and redefine women. That's the work of the devil. To say that a man can marry another man or a woman can get married to a woman, it's all the work of the devil. Guess what? The devil works all the time. He don't quit. And there's a lot of children in this world today that the devil just easily chews them up and spits them out because dad hadn't taken the time to teach them and train them and nurture them. And that's just the truth. Now I want to keep going. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Ain't that a fact? Look at the world that we're living in. Look at what's going on in our schools. Let's look at what's going on in our society, folks. We need dads that are going to work really hard. And put the effort in. Now verse 13. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all taking the shield of faith. Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked.
And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints. You know what he's describing? You need to get to work and be a strong man. Because you've got a lot of people to protect. And if you're a weak man, you can't protect nobody. Not a soul. If you don't know how to use the shield and the sword and the helmet, my friend, you got trouble. Today, you got trouble. Ephesians 5 verse 14, he says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest. Hey, brethren, we need to wake up. Do you know, do your children know what fornication is? If not, why not? Do your kids know how dangerous pornography is? Do they know what it is? If not, why not? What, what do you think the pathway is to get people into all this terrible living? And all these lustful things. Do you ever check to see what's on your child's phone? I want to tell you what, folks. The, the phone and the internet is a pathway to every ungodly thing that's on the earth. It's a highway. And they can go see anything they want to see. And a person is a fool if they don't check their child's phone. And see what's going on. Can your children use the shield and the sword? I'll tell you something. I said, I'm just going to be honest. I go to all kinds of churches. I meet with all kinds of people. Good people. Okay, don't get me wrong. Good people. I sit down and do Bible studies with all kinds of folks. A lot of kids. And I sat down with good kids from good families who go to church every Sunday and they say, open your Bible to the book of James. And those kids give me a blank stare and go, is James in the Old Testament or the New? I'm going to tell you something, folks. You got a problem. You're going to take a kid like that and send them to college? I'm gonna, the devil's going to chew them up and spit them out. Why don't your children know these things? You need, we need to wake up. Wake up. This has happened right in our yard. Right here in our yard. And it's on you men. You listen to me. It's on you. It's not on your wife. It's not on grandma and grandpa. It's on you to teach them, to train them, to show them how to defend themselves, to guard their hearts, etc., and etc., and so on and so on. He says in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men. We need men to be men. 
We need to embrace our manhood. Embrace being a leader. Embrace being a teacher. Uh, The passage is fairly simple. It means to act manly. Be a man. That means when you come home from work, you don't get on the games. You get to work helping your family. That's what it means. It means you take the time to do what a man's got to do, to teach and train and, and uh, help a family. Thayer says to make a man of. <clears throat> you, know, you know what the destroyers of men are? It's real simple. Pride destroys men. You're sitting here today and you're saying, well, I'm doing good. I got it all. I'm doing great. We're doing great. Be Watch out. You know, pride is a, a mist or a fog uh, makes you where you can't see. You think you're doing good when you're about to die. That's pride. Number two is lust. Lust just destroys men. I've run into it ever, everywhere. Men are tore up with lust, and, and so much is accessible. Number three is greed. I see a lot of men who will work 70, 80 hours a week, hardly ever come home to their family. Chasing a dollar. Got to have a nicer car, a new boat, a big house, etc. On, 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 on. And they go out and they work, 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 work. And they'll tell you, oh, we're building a better life for our family. That's the third one. And number four is slothfulness. Where we won't get up and put in the effort to study our Bible when we won't put in the effort to teach and train our kids, when we won't put in the effort to study with our children or drag our kids to gospel meetings. First Corinthians thirteen eleven. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. As men, we've got to do that. We've got to think spiritually. We've got to look at the long-term effects. Second <clears throat> Timothy 2.22 Flee also youthful lust. Follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. We've got to flee these things and follow after these things that are going to help our families to grow. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know what the world needs? Strong men. I think you can see that today. Do you know what this church needs? Strong men. We need men who will step up and put in the work. And put in the effort to be here every time we have a service. We need that. To teach, to pray, to sing. This church needs that. We need it. To do Bible studies. To go to the hospital. The nursing home. To be visiting with folks in town and seeing who needs help. And who we can do a Bible study. This church needs men.
I'll tell you what else, your family, every one of your families needs a strong man. Every family here. To be what it ought to be and to raise the kind of kids that we need to raise. And guess what else? We need good, strong men to teach other men. He says, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We need men who not only are willing to do these things for their families and for themselves so that they can teach other men to do the same. And those good men can teach other men. And other men will teach other men. And so this church can perpetuate itself indefinitely. A hundred years or a thousand years. That's the idea. He says, you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Who did he say do it? Fathers, this is your job. You don't have long. In 1 Timothy 6 and verse 11, he says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Wonderful verse. What do I need to do? Flee evil things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. All these things we need to do. Make it a priority. Now, here's where I want to get your attention. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. It's a great verse. <clears throat> you know what I see men do? Fight the government. They don't like the government. I don't like it. They want to fight it. And they talk about it at the coffee shop, and they talk about it at the ball game. We fight. We don't like the government. We fight it. You know what else we fight? The tax man. I fight him. I think about him quite a lot. And he aggravates me. And it just, ugh. And I will talk to people. I talk to my dad. How do I, how do I navigate this tax man? Because here it's coming. It's coming. I've been thinking about it. I got all my tax bills in the mail this week. You probably did too. You know what else I, we fight? the baseball team and the basketball team and the football team. And I heard there was a big war up here on the football field the other night. And Wheeler come out on top. Kenneth, I'm sorry. It is what it is. I'll tell you, I see men who fight and fight and fight those sports. And I've been guilty of it. We fight it and we fight it and we look at it. And I know people that fight white-tailed deer and coyotes and fish. And as men, we can go out and engage in all these kinds of things and just spend money and time and effort and just work, work, work because we got a lot of strength and energy and we want to do those things. And we get after all these things and they will consume your life. Now listen, fight whatever you want to fight. The war of all wars is going on right under your nose with your wife, with your kids. You got a few years. You're going to fill your life chasing other stuff 
And you're going to turn around and look at one day and your kids are grown and gone and don't care about the Lord. Don't know how to use the sword and the shield and the helmet of salvation. You got, we got trouble. You got trouble. If you're going to be that kind of a man. Luke twenty two thirty one. 31. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. That's true for you. Every man here today. Satan has targeted men. And he will chew you up and spit you out. So I want to encourage you today. Become the man that God wants you to be. Put, put the foolishness aside. Embrace what you were born to be. Embrace what God has made you to do. To work in a way that is so fulfilling. Totally fulfilling. To provide for your wife. To teach and nurture and train your kids. To dedicate those kids to God. That's the pathway to fulfillment. I want you to know here today. If you're on the wrong pathway. You need to change today. Today. If you're not the kind of man you ought to be. It's on you. You need to make a change. You can't just keep going down the same old pathway and hope for different revolt, results if you're not doing what you need to do. If you're not living as you ought to live, it's on you. You're the man. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.